Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, we hope you enjoy this repeat broadcast. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue looking at a number of books that were given away as Christmas gifts from the First Presidency to various other general authorities in the church and even some employees of the church. How many employees we do not know and how far down the chain we are not aware of that either. But nonetheless, the First Presidency gave away several books as Christmas gifts. They were leather-bound copies, gold edging on the pages, quite fancy books. The reason why we wanted to do this series is because we figure that if the First Presidency wanted to give away a book to employees as well as other general authorities, I would assume out of appreciation for their service to the church, then you would think that the First Presidency believes what's in those books and would also want those that are receiving the books to believe the same. And we find that there's a lot of gems in these books, which shows that in recent history, at least, a lot of the doctrines that some Mormons might be a little bit shy of explaining to their neighbors are taught very clearly in these books. Bill, if anybody wants to find the 37 books that were given away between 1981 to 2017, they can go to our website, mrm.org slash books employee gift with hyphens between that. And you can see a short article about this series that we're doing, as well as links to all of the episodes we're doing in the series and a list of those 37 books. Last week, we were looking at the subject of Godhood and showing that in these books, certainly there are teachings which specifically spell out the doctrine that a Mormon male, if they are obedient, they can acquire godhood in the next life. Today, we're going to look specifically at a book that was given away as a Christmas gift in 2012, and that is The Teachings of Lorenzo Snow. Lorenzo Snow was the fifth president of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What's on pages six and seven of The Teachings of Lorenzo Snow? He wrote, Obedience and Purity are Requirements of Godhood. That exalted position was made manifest to me at a very early day. I had a direct revelation of this. It was most perfect and complete. If there ever was a thing revealed to man perfectly, clearly, so that there could be no doubt, this was revealed to me, and it came in these words, As man now is, God once was, as God now is, man may be. And of course, that's known as the famous Lorenzo Snow Couplet. Among some Latter-day Saints, you might think that that was controversial. There's been even some Christian scholars who have insisted that this is no longer a teaching in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but here it is in a book that was given away as a Christmas gift in 2012. What did Lorenzo Snow go on to say? On page 7, he said, They are to become like him. They will see him as he is. They will behold his face and reign with him in his glory, becoming like unto him in every particular. That's an interesting phrase that Snow uses there, Eric, becoming like unto him in every particular. 
that almost sounds like there's going to be an equality among those that become gods with God the Father, but yet Mormons don't teach that. They would bristle if you were to give the impression that somehow a Mormon male, for instance, could be exalted to the level of a god and then maybe even be the same as Heavenly Father or even surpass him. They don't teach that. You think about the attribute of omnipotence and ask the question, okay, well, every particular, then are, are we talking about two omnipotent beings? That doesn't seem to make any sense because by the very meaning of the word omnipotence, it means you have all power. Well, which one has more power than the other? And that's a good point because Spencer W. Kimball, in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness, which, by the way, was another book that was given away as a Christmas gift, he says that when a Mormon does become a god, that they will have the attribute of omnipotence. And like you say, Eric, that becomes very confusing because it seems to undermine the very meaning of that word. Here's another quote from page three of the teachings of Lorenzo Snow. Now we are the sons and daughters of God. He has begotten us as his own image. He has given us faculties and powers that are capable of enlargement until his fullness is reached, which he has promised, until we shall sit upon thrones, governing and controlling our posterity from eternity to eternity and increasing eternally. And we were talking about a statement by Brigham Young where he talked about framing earths. I think this is exactly what Lorenzo Snow is probably talking about, this idea that once a Mormon becomes a god, he is allowed to get his own earth, and then he will populate that earth just as Heavenly Father, they believe, is populating this one. Bill, when is the last time in General Conference that you heard a general authority of any kind talk about increasing eternally, that you would control your posterity from eternity to eternity. This is not something that is normally said in current Latter-day Saint theology. Uh, Another quote, this is uh, page five. He said, man can possess the same glory as God. Through a continued course of progression, our Heavenly Father has received exaltation and glory, and he points us out the same path And inasmuch as he is clothed with power, authority, and glory, he says, Walk ye up and come in possession of the same glory and happiness that I possess. Now, there's two things that come to my mind when I read this. First of all, Isaiah 42.8. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Now, some Mormons have tried to argue by the mere fact that believers are glorified that somehow we share that same glory. That's not correct. Notice in Isaiah 42, 8, God himself says he's not going to share his glory with anyone else. We may be glorified, certainly, as believers, but that does not mean that we are going to have the same glory as God the Father. Another point, though, when he talks about sharing or possessing the same glory as God, Doesn't that sound very similar somewhat to the language Lorenzo Snow used in that other quotation that we cited from pages 6 and 7, where it says that we become like unto him in every particular? Now, again, that would seem to undermine, if words mean anything at all, this notion that when a Mormon becomes a god, he will never rise to being similar to God the Father or Heavenly Father, nor would he ever think that he would surpass Heavenly Father or God the Father. Another quote comes from page five, and and it says, 
Our spirit birth gave us God-like capabilities. We were born in the image of God our Father. He begot us like unto himself. There is the nature of deity in the composition of our spiritual organization. In our spiritual birth, our Father transmitted to us the capabilities, powers, and faculties which he himself possessed, as much so as the child on its mother's bosom possesses, although in an undeveloped state, the faculties, powers, and susceptibilities of its parent. Now, you would think if we have the capabilities here and we have the powers and the faculties, but they're just not fully formed or fully taken advantage of, what would prevent a Mormon from becoming exactly the same as Heavenly Father or even somehow surpass him in his glory. Now, I know Mormonism kind of teaches this escalator-type theology where Heavenly Father is on one step of the escalator and then several steps down the escalator, that's where the Mormon might stand. And as the escalator goes up, the Mormon never gets any closer to God the Father. But when you see language like this, it makes you wonder, well, what is he trying to imply? Because it sounds like there is a potential there that a Mormon, let's say living in this day and age, if they were to become a god after their judgment, could somehow, over a period of eternity, maybe catch up and possibly surpass God the Father. On page six of the teachings of Lorenzo Snow, he wrote, Faithful husbands may become gods. I say to you, sisters, your husbands, if they are faithful, will be capital G gods in eternity. After we have passed through the various ordeals of life and go to the other life where our Father dwells, even the God of heaven, the promise is that we shall be like him. And that's language that's very similar to the Lorenzo Snow couplet, which again has been taught in recent years in 2012 and 2013 in church manuals that were dedicated to George Albert Smith and Lorenzo Snow that the entire church was supposed to read, the teachings of presence of the church, this couplet was given in both of those manuals. And so for those who say that this is not a teaching of the church, it certainly has been historically at least, and in recent years is still found in correlated church manuals. There's one other citation I want to give from Lorenzo Snow. He said, we must advance through stages to godhood. As man now is, God once was, even the babe of Bethlehem advancing to childhood, thence to boyhood, manhood, then to the godhead. This, then, is the mark of the prize of man's high calling in Christ Jesus. And he says, see Philippians 3.14, We are the offspring of God, begotten by him in the spirit world, where we partook of his nature as children here, partake of the likeness of their parents. Now, there's something interesting that I see in here. The way he switches words. We must advance through stages to Godhood, But then the next sentence is, as man now is, God once was, which is, of course, from the Lorenzo Snow couplet, even the babe of Bethlehem, advancing to childhood, thence to boyhood, manhood, then to the Godhead. It's interesting he doesn't say then to Godhood. He says the Godhead. But yet, as we've also looked at from the a book that was given away as a Christmas gift in 2001, Selections of Doctrines of Salvation, Joseph Fielding Smith said that Christ worked out his own salvation, and he goes on to say that our Savior was a God before he was born into this world. That's why I'm, I'm curious about this switch in the word here. He could have used the word Godhood, you would think, but Mormonism teaches that Jesus was already a God in the preexistence, but he wasn't totally perfect, they say. But here's 
what I find fascinating. If he was a god in the pre-existence, as Joseph Fielding Smith clearly states on Selections of the Doctrines of Salvation, page 23, and by the way, if you want to see this quotation and you have the three-volume set of Doctrines of Salvation, it's volume 1, page 32, it says that he was a god before he was born into this world, but then we're supposed to assume he didn't become a part of the Godhead until after his death and resurrection? Well, what was he doing up there in the pre-existence as a god? He wasn't affiliated with the Father and the Holy Ghost at this time? When exactly does the Godhead come together? When did the Holy Ghost become a part of the Godhead? That's an interesting question you're bringing up, Bill, and I would say that the leaders have never talked about this. There's a whole lot of speculation that goes on, but if this is a restoration of true Christianity, you would think there would be some kind of answers to this confusing issue. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. All of us at Mormonism Research Ministry want to reach out and thank you for your kind support of Viewpoint on Mormonism. We hope that the information coming your way has been a help and encouragement as you share the hope we all have in Jesus Christ. During this holiday season, would you prayfully consider a year-end donation to MRM to help give us a much-needed financial boost into the new year? Your tax-deductible gifts are much appreciated and will be used to further our efforts at Mormonism Research Ministry.